You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll begin at verse 27. Luke chapter 6, we'll begin at verse 27, where Luke writes, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus says many things in the Bible that I wish He didn't say, like, love your enemies. How about we settle for tolerate your enemies? Do good to those who hate you. What if we adapt that to avoid those who hate you? Pray for those who abuse you. Oh, I've said a few prayers about those who abuse me. I I think we struggle sometimes. If we really listen to what Jesus says, His teachings here are not very easy. They're countercultural teachings. And we live in a contentious age today. We live in an age today where you either agree with me or I'll just cut you out of my life. Or even worse, there are those where you either agree with me or I will spend my life trying to make your life miserable. How do we deal with our enemies? How do we deal with those who hate us or abuse us or or seek to be cruel to us? How do we respond? Jesus had gone up onto the mountain to pray. And if you look back just a few verses, you'll see that before He chose the disciples, He had gone up, spent the night in prayer. And when He comes down, He sees crowds of people They'd come to hear Him. They'd come to be healed by Him. They were there for Jesus to 
touch them. And he stood there. Picture this scene. Jesus is standing on a flat spot, we're told, looking out now at the crowds. And what was he thinking? We've seen in other places when Jesus looks out at the crowds, he's filled with compassion. He looks out at the crowds, he looks at the disciples, and then he began to teach. Matthew records this as the Sermon on the Mount. Some refer to this as the Sermon on the Plain. But here, Jesus is teaching the crowds. He taught them Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you do these things or when you are these people. But then interestingly enough, as he's looking at the crowds and the disciples, he moves to discuss enemies. Loving your enemies. Jesus knew what it was like to have people against him. And Jesus would have the privilege throughout his ministry, especially at the end of his life, of practicing what he was preaching here. He knew what it was like to have people who despised him, abused him, lied about him. People who were enemies. He deals with some of the Pharisees, some of the Sadducees, the chief priests, the high priests, and others. They'll trump up charges about him. They'll make up lies about him. They'll seek to have him killed. They will eventually get him on a cross. Jesus knew what it was like when he said, love your enemies. This is not someone who's going, oh, here's this beautiful image of what it's like. He experienced all these things that he now reaches out to us and says, here's what I encourage you to do. Here's how I encourage you to respond. You see, anytime we teach something or stand up for something or believe in something that goes against cultural norms there are going to be people who despise you. And that's why if you look in chapter 6, down at verse 22, you'll hear the words, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. I mean, He knows if you seek to be my children, if you seek to be a Christian, if you seek to be my disciple, if you follow me, if your life is different, if you look at things and, and live a life as I'm calling you to live, as a called out people, not everyone will treat you well. So in verse 18, Jesus says to them, I want you to... Listen, they had come to hear in verse 18. It said they had come to hear him. And now Jesus is saying, now listen to me. There's a difference in hearing someone talk and actually listening to what they say. Taking it in, making it part of your, your life. It's one of the reasons sometimes when my kids will go, hey, have you got a minute? I want to ask you a question. Or sometimes other people will, in the church even, come up and ask me a question. Sometimes I'll ask, well, wait a minute. Let me ask you, are you looking for consultation or affirmation? Because that way I need, I'll know how you're looking for me to respond. Some people go, hey, I want to get your opinion on something when they really want affirmation. So Jesus says to them, I want you to, to listen. I want you to listen to what I have to say here. And he says, we're to love. Love your enemies. It's not only countercultural, it's counterintuitive. It's just not a natural part of who we are. I mean, he, he says, there are people who will hate you, verse 27, abuse you, verse 28, strike you, verse 29, and take from you, verses 28 and, or 29 and 30. And what's interesting, too, when you read the scripture about when someone strikes you on the cheek, 
Look over in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is sharing this, and He says, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Now think about that. If most people are right-handed, how would you be struck on the right cheek? For me to strike somebody on the right cheek with my right hand means I'm backhanding them. It was an insult. This is not if someone seeks to deck you, if someone is seeking to knock you out, not that it wouldn't include that, but the implication of the right cheek means that someone is insulting you. They're backhanding you. And if they do that, then turn the other cheek also. If someone is seeking to be that kind of person to you, Now it's hard because most of us, we want to respond. When someone says something about us, we want to say something back pretty hard. Someone pushes us, we want to push back pretty hard. We have a tendency to react. I love the story that Martin Luther King Jr. tells that one day he and his brother were driving from Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee, or driving to Chattanooga, Tennessee from Atlanta. And as they were driving in the car, it was late at night, for some reason... Hardly any of the drivers would dim their lights as they were meeting them. So they're driving down the road and, and, and cars were coming, their lights on high beam. It was very blinding. It was becoming very irritating. And finally, he says that his brother, A.D., looks over at him and in anger says, I know what I'm going to do. The next car that comes along here and refuses to dim the lights, I'm going to fail to dim mine. I'm going to pour them all in full of their power. And Martin Luther King Jr. said, he looked at him and says, Hold, no, 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 don't do that. There'll be way too much light on this highway and it'll end up in mutual destruction for all of us. And then he says these words, somebody's got to have some sense on this highway. Somebody's got to have some sense on this highway. We don't respond like everyone else does. Somebody, Jesus is saying, has got to have some sense. One of the things I've often shared with my children is we can't control other people's actions. We can control, however, our reaction. As they were young, growing up, we can't control other people's actions. What we can control is our reaction. So the challenging thing Jesus is addressing is, what is your reaction to someone who is treating you horribly, who hates you, abuses you, takes things from you, even strikes you across the right cheek. Well, to be a Christian means to be like Christ, to be like Jesus the Christ. To be a disciple means to be an apprentice, an apprentice of Jesus Christ. So the challenge that we have is our calling is to emulate God. How do we emulate God? And and in Luke 6, if you skip on down to verse 36, then you hear the words, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now Jesus models this. I said earlier that Jesus will have the opportunity to practice what He preaches. Jesus finds Himself on the cross. You see this in Luke 23. And, And while Jesus is hanging there on the cross, He's already been beaten, 
He's been spat upon. He's been struck across the right cheek, crown of thorns on his head. He's been mocked and ridiculed, stripped of everything that he has. So when they take your outer coat, give him the shirt too. He has been stripped down, hanging here on the cross. And in Luke 23, 34, hear these words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Amazing. Amazing words. Now, hopefully, most of us would never be placed in that kind of position. But for Jesus to be able to practice what He had been preaching is pretty powerful. Dr. John Carroll in his commentary said, at the heart of it is this charge, he says, and that is disciples are to take their cue from the compassion of a merciful God. Disciples are to take their cue from the compassion of a merciful God. So the question becomes, who who controls our reaction? Do we control our reaction? Do other people control our reaction? Or do we allow God to control our reaction to those who are difficult? Now again, the, the temptation is we want to see them get what's coming to them. If they treat us this way, then, then we want to see that. Now I love the story in Jonah. Many of you have read the story of Jonah and, and God calls on him to go to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't want to go. They were the terrorists of the day. And, and so the last thing he wanted them to do was to repent. Actually what Jonah wanted them to do was God strike them down. God calls him to go and, and speak to him. We know the story, how he tried to flee away, consumed by a great fish. And then finally he goes. And he shares this message of what God is saying to the people of Nineveh. And then his worst nightmare happens. They repent. L- listen to these words from Jonah chapter 3, beginning of verse 10. When God saw what they did, meaning the people of Nineveh, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed His mind about the calamity that He said that He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Jonah's like, I knew, I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were a merciful God. I knew you would change your mind and not punish them. And I wanted to see them get what was coming to them. That's, That's the temptation But that's not our call. Our call is to leave the judgment and the consequences to God. Our calling is to be a merciful people following the example of God. N.T. Wright, again, the great biblical scholar from Oxford, in his commentary on Luke, he says these words, he goes, you're to be like this because that's what God is like. God is generous to all people, generous to a fault. He provides good things for all to enjoy, the undeserving as well as the deserving. He is astonishingly merciful. Anyone who knows their own heart truly and still goes on experiencing God's grace and love will agree with this. How can we, 
his forgiven children be any less. Only when people discover that this is the sort of God that they're dealing with will they have any chance of making this way of life their own. And he goes on to then add, he said, if you lived in a society where everyone believed in this God, there wouldn't be any violence. There wouldn't be any revenge. There wouldn't be any divisions of class or caste. Property and possessions wouldn't be nearly as important as making sure your neighbor was all right. Imagine, if even a few people around you took Jesus seriously and lived like that, life would be exuberant, different, astounding. And then he adds, and people would stare. People would stare because that is so different. And yet we're called to be different. When someone hates us, abuses us, strikes us, takes from us, the reaction that God calls from us is to love them, bless them, pray for them, give to them. To do unto others as we would have them do unto us, the golden rule. John Carroll, the professor, again goes on to add, he said, an act of unexpected restraint and kindness transforms the encounter and exposes the injustice for what it is, for all to observe. We see how to love our enemy One of my favorite stories is the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Remember the story? A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a windy road with a lot of places that are tight, easy for thieves and robbers to be. And a man falls among the bandits. They they take him, beat him up, leave him in the ditch to die. Priest goes by, remember the story. Levite goes by, remember the story. But then a Samaritan. A man stops who's a Samaritan sees the man filled with compassion, takes care of him, bandages wounds, puts him on his own animal, takes him to an inn, makes sure that he's taken care of, pays the innkeeper and said, and if you need more, I'll pay you when I come back through. You know what's often missed in that story is Jews of the day hated the Samaritans. They were considered the heathens, the pagans, the traitors. They were despised. And truthfully, The man in the ditch would rather have died than to have allowed a Samaritan to have taken care of him. Samaritan knew that. He knew, this man hates me. This man had rather die than allow me to help him. But this man is still a man. This man is still someone who was loved by God. And he cared for him anyway. When we read the Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, we hear these words, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God in His great mercy loved us in spite of ourselves. And then Jesus reminds us to be merciful as our God is merciful. 